Attention. The National Weather Service has issued a hurricane warning for the entirety of the National Hockey League. Please stay tuned for further information from the Storm Cellar. Welcome back to the Storm Cellar. Ray, I am still living on cloud nine. Uh, it's a snow cloud because I'm in Massachusetts and it's not 80 something degrees like it was when I left North Carolina. It's uh, like 14, but uh, it's still, I'm still on a cloud. I'm, I still can't believe Cam Ward night, the stadium series game, the opportunities we had to meet people that, you know, we've been talking to for a while. Um, what an unbelievable experience that was. Um, how, how are you feeling here? You know, a week after I have to say it's hard to, it's hard to quantify just the excitement and the uh, just the feeling that you had being there, meeting all of these great fans that we met. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to catch up with uh, Laurel Laurel Wheeler. Uh, she uh, yeah, was I, I I caught her. She was the, actually the first person that I knew that I met, which was amazing. We had a great chat with her. Definitely um, bummed I didn't get a chance to meet Laurel. Yeah. And that was, and that was before, uh, that was on the uh, hockey hall of fame. I just not hockey hall of fame on our hurricanes hall of fame night uh, for cam ward, which I can't even tell you the excitement I had for beating the team that shall not be named that night. That was probably as much fun as the fact, that we were, you know, honoring Cam Ward was the beating that we put down on them. So, look, it was it was glorious. Uh, the tailgating through the roof on the stadium series, seeing yeah, the game they, they outside, no doubt. It was just everything about it. The whole vibe, the whole vibe that was put out there, and uh, I wrote on our blog. Now, do you see? NHL now do you see doubters this is this is a legit hockey town and and in spades it was sensational amazing yeah you bet and so um we have the joy and and oh one other note we should probably throw this in because and and this is I did a lot of we did a lot of interviews and we're going to have a special that we're putting out. Brad is working uh, feverishly to pull together all of the uh, uh, little roundtables that we did with a number of guests, including the entire Surgecast crew. We had uh, Mike Solarte on with us again. Uh, Colin as well. Like we had a lot of Haley, people yeah. that we spoke to Haley who got it all started for us. So it's just a lot of great guests, lots of great discussion and celebration of the hurricanes and the event. So look for that. That will be coming um, as when Brad can throw it all together. There's a lot of Brad editing, did not take a laptop to North Carolina. So good. For no, you. exactly. And that's, and that's Brad quite fine. There, there you go. It, it was, that's quite fine. It was so much fun uh, on the show today. You know what? I'm sitting here doing all this talking, Brad. And while I'm yakking, I look over at the door, the door opens and we've got our special guest into the storm cellar. We are welcoming from the hockey writers, Jacob Billington, who uh, another Canadian, which 
gives, you know, hey, that he gets bonus marks for that. But he's way out uh, in Nova Scotia. Jacob, coming into the Storm Cellar with us. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing really good. Uh, thank you for asking. It's a quite a cold morning. I don't, I'm not good at the Fahrenheit to Celsius changes, but we're sitting at minus 19 right now. So it's a cold oh. morning and we've got some rough weather coming in the next few days, but overall I'm doing pretty great. Thank you. Yeah, Mine, like, uh, four or five. Yeah. Right. Minus. Yeah. Mi- <laughs> and minus 19 in, in like Nova Scotia and all that water, it's gotta be a little bit colder than the minus 19 that we experience here we were down to minus 40 some earlier with that one arctic thing that's now headed your way and man oh man stay warm okay dude stay warm holy cow it's it's tough yeah yeah no kidding no kidding so uh in the storm cellar we love to let people uh tell us their stories about how they became a hockey fan, a hurricane fan. We've even had guests that aren't hurricane fans tell us their story. That's what we're about. We're open to everyone. Always room for everyone in the storm cellar. Jacob, we want to hear your story. Tell us all about it. Well, so I'm I'm definitely on the younger side of uh, a lot of fans, a lot of people in the media right now. Um, so I grew up, um, actually, I grew up a Senators fan. Um, and right when that... 2006 2007 run is going on that's when I really started getting into hockey so it was a great time um and ever since I've always been a Senators fan like since day one but for the past probably two or three years I've been not so much a a team fan but rather a sports fan um and then I picked up uh I asked for the Hurricanes position at the Hockey Raiders um and like I just love following the team um the vibes are incredible um and just on their own and they built a really good team um and I really started following them extra close when they drafted Svechnikov um because I just I love that pick I love the player um and so yeah it was just ever since then I've been paying a lot of attention to them and saw a position open and decided that I would take it so were you conflicted this week with the big contest uh, a little bit it was it was frustrating because Ottawa's just on the edge of that playoff race but um Carolina played a great game it was hard to be mad yeah it was uh it was a pretty I I was a little surprised it came away with the with the like that was the shutout night was it not yeah yeah that was the shutout I was I was a little surprised I because Ottawa had been playing really quite well and they're kind of rising they're they're no longer just completely out of the picture anymore they're they're playing well but it it seems like the entire east is condensing and everyone's getting closer and bunched up it's going to be a real uh kind of a spin of the wheel roulette to see who's going to be in isn't it yeah And, and at this point like looking at the hurricanes perspective Assuming that they stay first in the Metro, which New Jersey's getting pretty close, only three games behind or three points behind, sorry. Um, no idea who you're going to be playing in that wild card position. Um, there's five or six teams that are like, there's a chance that it could be them. Um, so it's tough to prepare. Like you look at Toronto and Tampa, they've known they're playing each other almost all season. Um, Toronto going out and getting Ryan O'Reilly is 100% about we're playing Tampa. We need better center depth and defensive metrics so it's hard to kind of look at that and decide what you need to bolster up based on who you're playing against 
Yeah, and the Saints are in a good spot. I mean, they have two or three games in hand on a couple of teams, and they're not that many points behind, so they're definitely in the mix. It's if you look at it on the website, it looks like they're way down, but they're really in there, especially with you know the the Caps look like they might be deciding to sell. The Islanders picked up Bo Horvat, but so far, you know, that's been kind of a you know it's been fine, but you know, yep. there's been no you know great upward movement from them. So, and and I gotta admit, I I still you know, seeing DeBrincat go to Ottawa, like what a pickup for you guys. Like that kid's just phenomenal. I, I still wish he could have been a, a cane, but. Yeah. And it's, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. If he wants to sign long-term this summer or not, or if he gets dealt to the draft again, I don't know, but it was, it was a great deal for second and third. So. And a real, real quick, cause I have a, a broadcasting history for myself in my career and stuff. How did you get into into the journalism aspect of it, the writing? Tell me, tell me about that. So ever since I was younger, like 16, 17, 18, I've always been super interested, especially in the prospects. So um, there was, um, I don't know how many people listening to this would know who Claire McManus is, um, but she started a website and I when I saw that she was starting it. I said, can I do a few profiles for you? And I did that. It didn't stick, but I really enjoyed doing it. Um, and so... Since then, my first actual writing position was with Hockey Buzz uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. And that was just one of the openings that they had. I also liked the Jets, but it wasn't, it was kind of a non-biased situation. Um, and since then, like, I loved, I loved it. Um, I still have the position at Hockey Buzz. Um, but then I also picked up um, the Hurricanes and just started writing for the Senators at the Hockey Writers. So I've always been kind of interested in it. Um, I know, I know a few broadcasters personally, Um and they just, I love what they do. And I, I just love the media aspect of it. I, I, a real quick question here for you. How, when you're, when you're looking at writing for a team like Winnipeg, who you don't really have an emotional tie to, yeah. and then writing for Ottawa, how, how does that change for you? Do, is it, do you find it difficult to stay objective on teams that you just love? You know what I mean? Because that can be really, I can, I, I can say it's very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And probably the most dif- difficult part of it is overvaluing your own prospects. And I've even like, I'm starting to get there with Winnipeg too, because I've been writing for them for so long. I'm starting to love the team, love the system. Um, and so when I'm writing for Ottawa, like I'll run it by a couple of people that don't really have that emotional connection. I'll say like, am I super crazy for suggesting this? Um, I will say one piece that I have in the works right now is whether or not Eric Carlson's number 65 should be retired in Ottawa. Now I love Eric Carlson. He was one of my favorite players in NHL history. Um, watching that like 2012 to 2017 run. Um, he was just one of the best players in the world. So Personally, I say absolutely he should be retired, but looking at the whole big picture, am I alone on that or not? So I'll put out a poll on Twitter. I'll ask a couple of people that aren't really connected to the team and just kind of get get an idea of where I'm at. He was such an integral part of the senators. It's I see your reasoning for it and and the belief that it should. Right. But it's one of those things where how long ago was that? And what? you know, what he's doing this year certainly is, I don't know if, is that an, I don't think that's a negative effect on shining a a brighter light on him now, as opposed to his days in with the senators. I I don't think so, but it's, that's an interesting situation. 
Yeah. And like, this is his best career year and probably will be, this will be the best year of his entire career. Um, and when he goes into the hockey hall of fame, he will be a shark. So that's what kind of puts me on the edge. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's a tough conversation. Although yeah. some people are saying there's a trade coming for him. What do you, what do you think? What do you think of that? Do you think anyone's going to be able to work that contract out? Uh, all the rumors point to Edmonton. I would love to see it in Edmonton. Eric Carlson and Connor McDavid on the power play. And then obviously you have um, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, Dreisaitl that are all having fantastic years. And adding Carlson onto that blue line would just, it'd be so fun to watch. Just a cheat code. <laughs> it would, absolutely would be. Yeah. Um, no, you, Jacob, Brad and I, uh, we're going to take a little bit of time here. I know uh, we're going to get to the games of the week and stuff, but let's really break down Cam Ward's night, the uh, Hall of Fame game and the stadium series. Um, Brad? Take take us away here. Where do we like? Uh, let's let's start on that Thursday night. Uh, the ceremony was tremendous. Yeah. I have to say. Um. So forgive me, Ray, for I am about to sin. Big respect to Martin Saint Louis and the Montreal Canadiens <clears throat> for coming out and being on the bench during the ceremony. I thought that was really classy and well done. I know Ray agrees with me. I'm kind of giving Ray a hard time about the uh, the, the team that, sh- that shall not be named. <laughs> it it might be the only time, the only time. <laughs> Sorry, there's two times where I have good things to say. One was about Carey Price. I've always had respect for him. But St. Louis bringing the team out for it. And like he deserved to be get the tip of the cap. There, uh, Trip Tracy noted him. And they deserve every bit of it. So there's Mark the tape. Raymond has <laughs> said something good about the team that shall not be named. It might be the last time. It might. And, and then, of course, Canadian fans turn around and talk about, uh, you know, somebody was spreading, uh, you know, oh, the, you know, the stadium series is sold out because the Hurricanes were giving out free tickets. Oh, to which I replied, oh, you know, le bleu blanc et salé. <laughs> the blue, the white, and the salty. So <laughs> the very, you know, very, so very... It's like, it's, I'm, I'm trying to give y'all points, you know, what Martin said we did was I thought phenomenal. And then, you know, it was, it, then, then it's the, you know, so maybe it's just the fans. Nah, it's also them, but no, it's okay. Cam, the Cam Ward presentation, <laughs> the, the number of people and the, in the players that came back to do their little vignettes and things I thought was phenomenal. You know, guys we haven't seen in a long time. And a bunch of guys are still in Raleigh, but some of those guys are not. And to see the people who came back for this whole week, like the, for the Cam Ward game, for the alumni game, the guys who were around for the stadium series was just tremendous. You know, Fan Fest was just absolutely tremendous. Not not to mention the whooping that the Canes put on the Habs for Cam Ward night. Cam Ward, you know, I thought his speech was great. It was, you know, fairly short to the point. You could tell, I think it really meant a lot to him. And kind of like when Ray asked you a few minutes ago, Jacob, about, you know, covered a team who you're who you could be more objective about versus not and cam ward's one of those figures when it comes to like should they retire his jersey like that's still a debate in carolina right because as good as he was if you look at the whole body of work you know how much of that is him versus the people around him and you know it's yeah. it, and for people who love cam like they'll fight you 
<laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, his, his jersey should be up there. Um, I'm one of those people's I could I could go either way, you know, so it's, you know, it's a bit it's hard too. I mean, we see the same thing like with with the Jarvis and, and Meyer stuff that we'll get to maybe a little bit. But I thought Cam Ward Knight was absolutely exceptional for me. And I, I said this to a few people, I think, in person, Ray, is smells like when you walk into the concourse, it's, you know, now it smells like barbecue nachos and, and store brews and dip and dots. <laughs> and that's all great. But when you actually walk into the bowl and you can feel the cold coming off of the ice, I always stop for a second, take a big, deep breath and just PNC. Every arena has kind of a, a unique smell. And I, as soon as I smelled it, I felt like I was back in Raleigh before I moved north in 2008. And I loved every second of it. It was a tremendous night. Wasn't it? It was it was just great from from start to finish. And so many people made the trip from all over. I mean, this was the thing. If you were going to the stadium series, you found a great many people said, I'm going to be there for to celebrate cam ward as well and i am one of the guys who thinks that his number should be in the rafters i think on one fact alone and it's the rookie con Smythe winning stanley cup winning goaltender there's only three and he's one of them that that needs to that's worthy of that's worthy of going up that's worthy of going up so um i would like look Seth Jarvis, what I loved, Seth Jarvis, I mean, aside from hanging a hattie on them, it was the fan. Did the do you think the fans had any influence on Rod getting out there? Or he was gonna put them the whole time because near the end of the game, the penalty kill, Seth Jarvis, not a penalty killer. He just he just isn't. And all you could hear, everyone. You know, we want Seth, we want, you know, people are chanting it, trying to get him on the ice. Suddenly he jumps on and instant reward, instant reward. He goes down and scores that goal. I launch, I launch a very valuable. I was going to say, I have two anecdotes and one is yours. Yeah. So tell, so tell the people, Jacob, this is amazing. Tell the people what you threw on the ice. I. have a Stanley uh, uh, 2006 Stanley Cup hat the black one the Stanley Cup championship hat and I was wearing it that night and you don't it wasn't just because they did it against the team that shall not be named it throwing your hat on the ice in a game is a bucket list thing for every fan who loves their team and when he when he was skating in on the break i stood up out of my chair i was screaming i i thought yeah you're going to you put this one in the net it's going to be crazy he does people see me i'm a big dude they see me charging out of the aisle like out of the <laughs> row right everyone's backing up they're all laughing and one of those eyes get really big because I'm grabbing my hat, this 2006 Stanley Cup hat. I'm grabbing it. And they're like, you could hear the, well, it felt like you could hear the whispers. You're not going to throw that one, are you? And I charged down behind behind the glass of my seat, right behind uh, the Hurricanes bench. 
and I fired it as hard as I could. And I couldn't have been happier. It sails out real nice and high and then takes a sharp left dive right at Seth Jarvis's feet. It was glorious. I couldn't have been happier. I start I, like I had the, it was, uh, it you was, you gotta think that's one of the hats he probably keeps. You know, I mean, that's, a seven. I would that, hope that hat it is would almost be. as old as Seth Jarvis, dude. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, Seth was three when the hat was made. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just so, it was so great. It, and it could have been any hat, really. I would have been equally happy, but throwing that hat on the ice, it just meant like, it just something meant special. something. It was something yeah. special. It felt, it felt great. I'll try and keep this quick. Um, so my son has been getting into hockey more and more during January. You know, he he listens to the podcast. He helps, you know, when we're recording, he helps edit the episodes. And we were talking and I talked about how the Hurricanes had scored more power, you know, uh, shorties, more more penalty kill points than power play points. And so the Hurricanes get that first, they, you know, they they take that first, you know, get get the first power play. And he's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what do, what do you mean? Like, this is great. We're on the power play. He's like, no, no, no. They, they need to be shorthanded. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, because I mean, you know, we, we all know like that's what they did was phenomenal, right? I mean, you just yeah. don't score eight or seven, whatever it was, you know, shorties in a month. And so the whole night, every time the Kings on the power play, no, 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 no. They need to take a penalty. <laughs> so then Jarvis gets a second, right? Then yeah. Kings go shorthanded. And I look down, and all of a sudden I see Jarvis on the ice. And I literally reach over, and I kind of grab the front of his, shirt, of his jersey. And I'm like, watch closely. Now, I, you, it's just one of those things you just have a feeling, right? Yeah. The, the pass goes off the wall. Jarvis isn't alone. I'm like, I, from 30 feet away from the net, I'm like, he's going to roof this. It's in. There's, there's no chance that this isn't going in. He goes in. Yeah. My son called that from like, you know, whenever the first penalty was, was taken in the game, from then on, he's like, no, no, they need to be shorthanded to score. And he was elated. So for the next couple of days, everybody we talked to who asked him about the Hurricanes, he said, you know, I called that I goal. called it. I called it. <laughs> and he did. I was, I, I was sitting yeah, there like, I, I, can't, I can't believe that they scored a shorthanded goal in per, you know, with me in person at like the one game I've been to in five years. And it's a hat trick goal. And it sets Jarvis's first hat trick. And my son's been telling me for 45 minutes that they just need to be shorthanded and they'll score. It was just that it, it, it was fantastic. There was a, there was a, this is, it sounds super corny or whatever. There's just a magic in the air and you could feel it yeah. from the very, very start. Now, speaking I was gonna ask of Jacob, just real quick, I was going to ask Jacob. So Jacob, you are in Nova Scotia, obviously. Uh, so yeah. you weren't able to attend, but you watched it on TV. Um, did they show like did they did they go through did you get to see the whole experience and and cam speech and and everything on tv or some of it so there there were commercials that went in and out um so it was pretty annoying um but for the most part yeah like we got to see most of it on tv um but it would like look like that the ceremony's kind of taken a pause but then it would go to commercial and you come back and they're not anywhere near where they were when the commercial went on so Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't that long. I mean, come on, guys. Like, it's Cam Ward's yeah. night, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the things, and I was going to ask you, Jacob, that the, the magic that we felt on Thursday continued right through until Saturday. And I don't, I wanted to get your take. Uh, watching the game, watching the stadium series game, 
what was what was the vibe like what were you hearing from the uh, broadcast teams like give it all to us we didn't we didn't have any of that we were enjoying the experience so I, i'm curious to know if the experience the joy the fun the best part of it all if that was being uh accurately felt by the viewers around the world yeah, absolutely. Um, you could see as soon as the game turned on and you could see the, what was it, 56,000 fans in the stands there. Um, you could just see that it was, everybody was having the best time ever. Um, obviously, afterwards, all of the negative stuff about like the the parking and the all the stuff that came out, none of that was on TV. So nobody on, like nobody at home watching knew any of this. And it looked like an incredible success, which in the end, it still was. Um, obviously when you have 56,000 people in one place, there's going to be some issues. Um, but like just the whole showing of the, uh, game was just, it was all about that, how important it was for North Carolina, um, and kind of proving everybody wrong that says that they don't have fans and this and that. And then, um, my favorite part about the stadium series is the next, the next day, maybe two days later, um, with uh, Carolina State and North Carolina, um, their game had, I don't remember how many people it was, but 26,000. Yeah. It's like, it's just insane numbers um, and proving the world wrong. And that was the biggest takeaway, even from the broadcast. It was the broadcast wasn't talking about how they're surprised, but it's like, look at this hockey world, look what they can do. Yeah. And which was, and, and for folks who weren't there, um, everything about the stadium series is built for the broadcast. It's built for the home viewer. Yeah. So on our side of the field, we couldn't hear any of the interviews. Like we could see them up on the boards, but they weren't using the inner uh, in-stadium audio system at all. So we literally couldn't hear any of the interviews. We couldn't hear anything the NHL folks were saying. We we could hear the NC State band did a great job. So oh, for man. us, like there's you get the feel and the, you know, the excitement of the crowd and all those things, but you don't get any of the things that you get on TV with, like I said, even player interviews and things, we couldn't hear a thing where I was sitting, which is fine. Right. Um, but it, it was, I watched it the next night on ESPN plus and was really, I thought they did a fantastic job. And then as you mentioned, you know, NC state UNC hockey are club hockey teams. Like hopefully they'll get to go. Hopefully they'll become NCAA teams at some point. But 26,000 people for a, a college club hockey game is more than, you know, any NHL rink, right? I mean, that's a huge turnout. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, and it's super impressive, even if it was NCAA, even if it was like one of the bigger name teams, but it, it's even more impressive, not just because it's in Carolina, but because they're such smaller teams. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it was it was just such a great experience. And I think the one thing for for me, or at least in my aspect, I was most excited for because uh, I had never been in a college football stadium before. And college football in the United States, along with football in general, is kind of king. It kind of reigns, you know what I mean? So you want to experience everything about it and getting into in there. I mean, I've been in football stadiums before. It's not, you know, it's not a, a super big deal, but there's a different vibe for the college. I mean, we get in there 
and all of the band is the NC State band is down there and they're ready to go. The dance team is there. They're ready to fire people up. They got guys firing up uh, men and women throwing up these flaming batons and they're twirling and they're I mean there's things going on everywhere. It was non-stop entertainment. And just the the whole vibe and experience in that place uh it's a uh, just a, a great memory and that you hope i mean the, the what was it the one picture of stormy being passed and and crowd surfing i mean that was that kind of epitomizes the experience that we were all having stormy was up there but it would have been all of us like anyone in the building was being crowd surfed everywhere yeah. it was amazing my only complaint is, you know, th- they should have opened the parking lot to like 8 a.m. Apparently, that was an NC State decision. But, yeah, you know, I, I, we had a lot of fun. You know, we got a chance to see uh, meet Mike Solarte in person uh, at the Cam Ward game. Uh, Kurtu from Finland, who's been on the show, yes. sat two rows behind me. Uh, in front of me was our friend Paul Lawson, also been on the show. Um, his host and my good friend Brad Carpenter and his wife were also in three. All the cool kids, no offense, right? We're in 302. No, I understand. Uh, and then on Saturday, got to see those folks again. Got to see uh, Zach Bailey and Cat from the Surge Cast. Got to meet Colin from Colin Home Ice. Got to meet uh, the folks from Shine Sports. Got to meet yes, you know, a, a bunch of folks who we the list of people we we were hoping to meet is a lot bigger than the the people we actually got to meet. But uh, you know, I, I said all all weekend. I said we'll just have to come back in June. Yeah, that hockey, would be right? that would be very nice to have some June hockey. And, and to that end, let's talk about the games that followed that. Uh, all part of the the streak, which sadly ended last night. But Jacob, how would you assess these last few games, the streak that they were on? These these three games that they played that ended uh, last night with uh unfortunate second loss of the season to anaheim what let's get your take on the on these games well i think you have to look at the game against anaheim in a vacuum they're on the second half of a back-to-back um they are it's almost one of those like scheduled losses games i think it's their second loss in 41 days um and like that's just insane on its own i know we had the break in there but two losses in 41 days, like you just you can't complain about it at all. Um, 53 shots, and I know the whole buzz about this trade deadline is um, to get someone who can finish. Um, and sure, according to all the advanced metrics, Carolina is close to the bottom of the league, um, if not very far and last uh, in finishing um, and scoring. Um, but they're still getting the job done. Uh, 53 shots. Like they got goalied. John Gibson isn't a nobody. Um, and like, I don't know. It, it's tough to look at the scoreboard and see this, but like, if you watch the game, it was, it was a trap game. Um, like one of you mentioned right before we started recording, it was a trap game. Um, and it's just one of those games that you just have to clean up and move on. Um, and especially after a great game against Ottawa, like, it, it's not like the Canes didn't have it. It was the second half of back-to-back, but they played they, pl- they played great both nights. Um, and so it was just, they ran into a goalie. 
some of those saves that Gibson made were just, uh, you know, insert cliche here, like larcenous. Uh, how it was go-go gadget legs on some of those ones that just managed to kick out. I don't still don't know how, like Slavin's got to be, uh, like Gibson's going to be in Slavin's nightmares because Slavin had at least three chances that were sure goals on any other night that Gibson found, found the way to stop it. And it happens. I think like, it's a, here's the thing I'm looking at Freddie Anderson who took the loss last night, only on 15 shots allowed three goals, except he made a lot of 10 bell saves too. Like that could have been a lot worse situation than the three, two result that was there. Uh, Freddie played Freddie played well too. You know, I it could have been so much worse. Yeah. And and like you said, like it is only it's three goals on 15 shots. On paper, that's terrible. But those yeah. other 12 saves he made, like they were all super important. Like not and not every goalie can make those saves that Freddie made last night. And it's just it, it goes to show that like save percentage and goals against average, they don't really mean anything. Um it's a good way to look at where they're at kind of but like if you're having that low of a save percentage everyone's just gonna say oh you had a terrible game but it it wasn't a terrible game so no no it sure wasn't um go ahead brad i was gonna say you know random stat for me um so number one the hurricanes goal differential is up to plus 47 and that's since i I mean it really took off there in december so it's you know because they they were hovering they were negative there for a little while and they were hovering around zero. They were. Um, you know what's surprising to me? I know plus minus isn't like the end all be all stat. It's and to me, unless it's really good or really bad, the Hurricanes have one player who isn't a plus, and that's Dylan Coglin at minus one. Really? Everybody else is at least at zero. And there's only, I think, one person at zero. Everybody else is a plus on the team. Isn't that amazing? They the hurricanes all year have been great five on five. I mean, right. the, the areas where they've struggled is on the power play. Uh, the, the penalty kill is now they have the most shorties in the league uh, because of that big flourish eight, you know, shorthanded goals in such a short amount of time went from somewhere to the bottom to right to the top. And this is what, we've been used to we've seen the shorthanded uh capabilities that this team has had in seasons past especially aho uh but it was i mean five on five we're pretty happy and i guess that brings us to the next thing we've all been shouting for uh bo horvat timo meyer um We've wanted someone to fill in the gap that we lost when Pacioretty went down. It turns out now that Timo might not be an option for us. Jacob, you have info on this? Uh, I actually have a bit more info than you do right now. Um, Okay. So it looks like Vegas is out on Meyer as well. Um, They just acquired Ivan Berbyshev. So that that takes them out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that just happened. Um, and Carolina, according to the San Jose Sharks, Carolina is out. 
Um, Vegas and New Jersey had better offers on the table. Carolina said, this is our top dollar. San Jose said, that's not enough. You're out. So all fingers are pointing to Timo Meyer to New Jersey right now. So who do they look at now? Because Ivan Barbashev is gone. Um, there was just another trade as well. Denis Giryanov for uh, Evgeny Dadanov. So Montreal and Dallas swapped some struggling players. Um, so not that then, not that either of them were, should have been on the radar of the Canes. Um, but one player that I think the Canes are going to take a look at, um, and it might not be until the summer, but Jacob Verona. I really like what Jacob Verona brings. Um, obviously, it's not working in Detroit. Um, and nobody's telling me anything. I haven't heard anything about Carolina and Verona. Um, but he's got next year at, I believe it's five and a half million. Um, so if he gets bought out this summer, I could absolutely see Carolina taking a flyer on him. He he feels like he'd be a perfect fit. One year, one million, see what happens. Um, or even if um, Detroit will retain, pick him up for a fifth round pick, sixth round pick. Um, but I, I think he would be a great fit. He's kind of exactly what they need. He... He has one of the highest goals per 60 minutes over the past two years. He's like top five, I think. So Wow. Yeah. Th- that would be, you see, this is where the uh, analytics sometimes can help yep. fill in the gaps and the stories. If you don't know enough, so, like the numbers are there, they'll show it. Um, I have to say my question now, though, is and you're you you mentioned Vrana being someone that they could pick up uh at the end of the season, they might not land them uh before Friday. Friday's yeah. coming fast, and so the the trades are 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 picking up now, like we're getting more steam, we're seeing more movement. Do here's a, a question do the hurricanes have to make a trade? to solidify their spot as a contender can they stay can they stand pat while everyone improves headed into the playoffs i I think so um especially on the wings like everything has been looking at the wings they got max patch in the summer um they've been linked to timo meyer like obviously they're going after a big name winger i think a center would be great as well and not even like to not even to make the offense better um i think their offense is fine like you said that plus 47 uh, goal differential is i believe it's third in the nhl um so scoring goals isn't the issue um putting everything together on the power play and i'm going to back up a little bit to that conversation um i think the biggest issue is uh, they just need to be more simple on the power play um they're just they're trying to be too fancy trying to get too much going um, but I think they just need to slow it down, play a very structured power play, see what happens. Um, but yeah, for trade acquisitions, I don't think that they need to make a big improvement anywhere. Um, they've, they have been calling on uh, some depth left defensemen. Um, I, I guess they don't really want DeHaan being the guy um, going into the playoffs, or they want options at least. And I guess they don't look at Coglin as that option anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I think they would like to improve on um, their center depth. Uh, I, I like all four centers. None of them are true second line center though. Um, Sassany has been great there. Um, I really like Cockney. I mean, he's been heating up as late as of late. Um, but yeah, if it, it, I mean, it's too late, but if they could have gotten Ryan O'Reilly or uh, Jonathan Taves, if he was healthy 
or any of these players. I think that'd be a very smart move. Um, I do look at Sean Monahan and his health. Wonder how he would fit in. Um, Cause he doesn't, he, the center there wouldn't need to drive the line. Um, Nikas and Sveshnikov would be able to do that, but Monahan would slide in as a great complimentary piece to them. So I don't know. I think they should prioritize prioritize a center more than a winger right now. Brad, I know the Brad. Kings have been linked potentially to Schmaltz is one. Um, what, what I so previously my thought was if they go after somebody like Timo Meyer, that's probably the one deal they're making. They might try and squeeze in that seventh defenseman. Um, I, I think it's more about not trusting Coglin and just having that extra guy versus Dehan. Um, because I thought Dehan's played pretty well. This might maybe this is good for the Canes, right? You don't spend you know. A whole bunch of millions and millions on one guy maybe you can pick up you know a couple of folks maybe you get you know a little bit cheaper guy to help you out with some scoring you also pick up maybe a little better quality extra defenseman so you can because guys are going to get hurt right it's the playoffs it's just a matter of you know we we all know the Stanley Cup is usually a battle of attrition and very few people get to it unscathed a lot of it depends on how hurt you know players willing to play and and, and kind of who guts it out so um, the East is so good. That's the only thing, right? I mean, if Timo goes in to New Jersey and plays well, they're going to be very good. I don't know that they're, I, I think the Canes can still beat them even with the roster that they have, yeah. but it, it becomes a real dogfight at that point. New so, Jersey's frightening as it is right now. Never mind absolutely. adding a finisher like Meyer to that. I mean, honestly, that uh, to me, it's, it, this is the this is the weird thing about all of this. The Hurricanes are in the enviable position of being number two in the league, and they haven't even had all of their players yet, all of their assets. They had all of their assets for all of three games, <laughs> like three games. That was it. And they're still doing well. So there's that one stance that says, look at how great we've been. Why mess up with the chem- chemistry? If it's not broke, don't fix it. There's, you know, they're they're doing great there. On the other hand, it's, we are great as we are now. We can always be better. And at a time like this, where everyone around you is are making the adjustments, adding assets to their squads to get fired up for this, everyone else come, getting better talent-wise all around you and you staying pat just doesn't seem ideal. <laughs> that doesn't know it's it, it's not like and and I'm wondering like for me defensive wise if we're looking at one extra per you know one extra defenseman I've told you this Brad a number of times and I'll throw it out there again uh I like the idea of Shen out of uh Vancouver who at $850,000, he has tons of experience. He's got one or two rings, I think. It's it's two rings? I I can't remember. But he's got got the leadership, and those are the things that you want to add. At $850,000, more than enough cap space. So throw something Vancouver's way, see if they'll deal him. Even if he's unrestricted, and he is an unrestricted free agent right, so at the end of this, a pick. for a rental, not a big deal. Not a big deal. 
So go after him and shore up the D a little bit. That'll be fine. Um, uh, you know what's wow. really scary? What's that? The New York Rangers. So I, I fully expect Kane to become a New York Ranger, which makes yeah. their offense more potent, but they still don't really have a defense outside of Shesterkin, in my opinion. That's going to be their Achilles heel. They're the sixth or seventh team in the East right now. I think they're the sixth team in the East. They're, they would be one point out of being the best team in the Western Conference. That's how yeah. good the Eastern Conference is this year. Isn't I mean, it? The Eastern Conference is six loaded teams, and then, you know, and then I don't want to say garbage teams, but then, you know, then you have 10 teams that are not nearly as good. And the Western Conference is all kind of, I don't want to say mediocre, but like I said, you know, the, the New York Rangers would be one point behind Dallas, I think it is, or Vegas, excuse me. They'd be at one point ahead of Dallas for tops in the Western Conference, which shows you how tough it's going to be to get out of the Eastern Conference. Whoever wins the Eastern Conference finals should be the odds on favorite to win the cup. Right. Jacob, yeah, Jacob, I'm going to get your take on this. Is the lopsidedness of East versus West that Brad hit the nail on the head about, is that more because there are super teams in the East that are beating the crap out of the, you know, riffraff in their division over the all of the teams in the West being relatively close to one another, talent-wise, skilled-wise, playing, and they're just dogging it out, like just fighting it out, trying to get things, you know what I mean? Like that makes those games are harder to win. And you can rack up the points with Carolina and New Jersey beating the crap out of Columbus and the team that shall not be named, and you just keep going on. Philly, like they just so you'll just fire those points through the roof, right? Whereas in the West, maybe it's a little bit tighter. What what's what's your take there? I actually completely disagree. Um, so in the East, you named the only three teams that are out of the playoff race, 60 games into the season: Philadelphia, Montreal, Columbus. Uh, in the West, you have Vancouver, Arizona, San Jose, Chicago, Anaheim. Um, even even St. Louis is pretty well out of it. Um, in the, in the Eastern conference, there are, well, let me count here. There are seven teams within five points of a wild card, um, in, including the two that are in it. So there's five below the wild card, um, that are within five points. Um, and in the West it's whoever's in right now is pretty well. Who's staying in Calgary is going to make a little bit of a push. Um, so I think there's a lot more there's a lot more teams to pick on in the West um, and which I don't know. It doesn't really make sense why the points would be so, so uh, sorry. What are the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but why the East has so many more better teams um, and the West is all kind of very, very close. Um, and even so Vegas is first in the West Minnesota is in second wild card only six points behind. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think Jacob hit it because the worst team in the whole league is Columbus, right? Yeah. The 15th team in the East is the Montreal Canadiens. There are five teams in the West worse than the Canadiens, as bad as the Canadiens are. You know? Man. Below them is still Vancouver, Arizona, San Jose, Chicago, and Anaheim. I mean, it's it's brutal. And uh, kind of a non sequitur, but one thought that just hit me is in the playoffs – Generally, 
whistles go a little more into pockets, right? Yeah. You let the, the players play a little more. That is a huge advantage for Carolina because five on five, Carolina is the best team in the league. They are. The Bruins are a better team because of their of their power play. And their their power their net power uh, penalty kill and the Carolina's net penalty kill are eighty eight point nine and eighty eight point three. So the penalty kills are practically the same. So in five on five hockey, the Hurricanes, in my opinion, are the best team as they stand right now. So a lot of what may determine the Hurricanes' fate this year is going to be: can they stay out of the box? Right, and 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 also you know they don't necessarily need to be on the power play. <laughs> they need what they need is just to play five on five games which is right. something you tend to get a little more of in, in the playoffs. So a lot of Carolina's fate, I think, in this year's playoffs, if they stand pat, is going to be, do those whistles get put away? It's always hard to say with officiating, you know, and it's the, and it's a, a try not to crack on the officiating because that's a, that's just a tough job. It everything happens so fast in hockey and yeah, there's inconsistencies a lot of times in how things are called, but you want to give uh, the re- it's just it's it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Everyone hates you. You're never gonna be you're never gonna be right or agreed with on everything. Uh, it's just one of those things. You're you smiling know a lot, them, right? Brad. What's uh- that? I don't. I don't know if either of you have seen this. Did, did either of you see the clip last night of uh, Wes McCauley taking out Brad Marchand last night? I did yeah. not Great see hit. that. It was a beautiful hit. If we, get, if we get more of that in the playoffs, this becomes much easier, right? If Wes just levels <laughs> Marchand a couple of times, this becomes a whole another ball game. But I, okay, I, I just to wanted to bring that. up, like, uh, for, for all the hate the referees take, I think last night, you know, a few people probably raised a pint to uh, to Wes McCauley there. There you go. Might be the only time he gets a pint raised to him. <laughs> sure. I'll tell you that much. Oh, my goodness. Um, this, you know what? Uh, just a, a quick look ahead. Just two games this week before we uh, before we get back together here in the in the storm storm cellar to uh, hash it out. And it's a trip out West to uh, we're going to take on Vegas. Correct. What, what are the two games Wednesday and Friday yeah, is Vegas and Arizona at Vegas and Arizona. So Vegas, a strong team and Arizona who's given us fits this, <laughs> this season again. Um, what 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 are we looking ahead to? Vegas getting better with that trade? I've never we've never had breaking news in the uh, in in the storm cellar like this. This is pretty fantastic that it happened. So thank you for for that, Jacob. What do you think? Looking ahead, well, so losing Stone is pretty tough for Vegas, but like already adding in Barbashev, um, and Darren Dreger is tweeting out right now that don't count them out on Timo Meyer still. So. Timo Meyer still could be headed there, but for this week, um, I mean, who knows by Wednesday what the what the roster looks like? But um, I, I do think that it's going to be a pretty evenly matched game because uh, Vegas is definitely like still a very good team. They're dealing with some goaltender issues right now, but they're still winning all their games. Um, and as for Arizona, it's tough because I I see it very potentially being another game just like last night with Anaheim. Um, it's a team that you should win against, but you can almost look at your calendar and say, this is a scheduled loss. We're going to get goalied again. We're going to do this. But I 
I don't regardless of what happens this week, even if they drop both games, there's nothing to worry about. Um, but I do think that they can definitely pull out both wins. It's it's a very quiet week for the team, um, and especially with the trade deadline. It gives Don Waddell lots of time to do some work. Um, but yeah, like I, I, the games this week aren't going to be super important, although um, you do want to keep your lead against the New Jersey Devils. So Yeah. That's a that's a big one. You want to stay out, stay out ahead of the Devils and and uh, Vegas. They they like the shiny new toys, don't they? I mean, they make bigger trades. Uh, like they just make big trades all the time, and they want. You don't spend a lot of time in Vegas if you're playing on the squad. They just they'll move things out. They want new all the time adjusting. It's got to be tough for the coach, right? Because when you have different players all the times, you don't know what you're expecting. I, I would, I would prefer that uh, Meyer stay in the West. Frankly, yeah. that would make me feel a little bit better. So uh, get it done, Vegas. Um, make that you, happen. Vegas. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the the mullet arena game. That's going to be Carolina. Will now have experienced the extremes on both ends as far as fans in the stands in one year the stadium yeah. series and the 5000 strong in the mullet arena now i have not watched a game shot in there i don't have you have you jay have you seen a couple of games broadcast from the mullet and can you tell the vibe is way different? Like, what's the story there? <laughs> Knowing that there's only 4,500 people in the stands, 4,600, uh, it's it's actually quite impressive because um, the way they angle it, you don't see any empty seats. You don't see any, like, you don't see the back of the stand. So it's a pretty high camera angle. Um, and they're quite loud in there, too. Um, I don't know if they have microphones by all the seats or something. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, those 4,600 university students that are watching a hockey game are just as loud as if you go to the bell center. Like it's, it's quite impressive on TV at least. Um, and yeah, so you can't really tell. I do like that. They have the um, ASU logo in the middle of the ice still. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it is fun to watch. It's one of those things that like for an Eastern conference team, you know what? Yeah. I want to play there once. But just see what it's like, whatever. And fans should feel the same way about, yeah, you know what? I kind of want to watch this game and see see what it's like. So, yeah. It should be an interesting one. Um, Brad, what do you what do you think? I mean, and it ha- and that that Arizona game, it is the day of the trade deadlines. It is that, and that's the big one, right? So I will either hear something. I mean, so that's a nine thirty. The trade deadline is on Friday the third at three p.m. Eastern. Um, the Vegas game will be a lot of fun. I think that's a good test. Just you know, kind of stretch your legs after you know. I think it's three days off. Arizona definitely is a trap game. Everybody seems to underestimate those guys, and they always come back. Um, and then March gets really difficult for the Canes, right? You get yeah. Tampa Bay on the fifth. You basically have a game almost every other day. Tampa Bay, you got Vegas again uh, on the 11th, and then you have Jersey on the 12th. So you have Jersey on the back half of the back and back. Then you have Winnipeg, Toronto that week. Then you have um, a three-day back-to-back against the Rangers. And then you have Toronto, Boston, 
and Tampa Bay again to finish out the month. I mean, March is going to be a brutal month for the Hurricanes. The good news is, is as you go toward playoffs, April is looking, I don't want to say easy, but April is certainly not going to be on the level that March is with with the level of competition, which means hopefully guys can get some rest, get healed up, because that's, you know, like as we mentioned earlier, right, it's a war of attrition to win the Stanley Cup. And the Hurricanes schedule was set up to give them some real honest feedback in March and then two weeks in April to, you know, try and let some guys heal up, try and get so cohesiveness if you do bring in somebody uh, sometime this week. And then it's playoffs. we got six weeks of hockey left, folks. It's it, it's coming down to the wire. So I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm waiting to see what the Hurricanes are going to do. I think they're going to make moves. It's just it's not going to be, you know, a blockbuster Timo Meyer style move. But, you know, GM Don Waddell always seems to find a way, right? He picks up somebody and we're like, oh, like, what's that guy going to do? Ty Domi last year wasn't on anybody's radar for the Hurricanes that I know of and came in and didn't really do a lot, but then, you know, comes up in game seven and scores two to put the Bruins away. Anyone so he'll, who he'll would, always yeah. have my respect for that. <laughs> exactly. Really yeah. Anyone who, yeah. Anyone, anyone, anyone who acts Max, on, I, I on Max I, Domi. Yeah. I no, that's I. okay. Uh, I'm old folks. It, just Ty was, me. and Ty was in the stands for every game. That was, I know. So, I mean, he was, he was supporting. So I can understand why. <laughs> yeah. Max gets a, a pass from me because of what he did in game seven. Uh, if anything, that's the, that's why you make those trades, someone to make a difference. And in game seven, he was the man. So it worked out great. So he gets passed. Um, I'd sure like to see a deal. I would really prefer that they not stand pat. Uh, but if they do, clearly there's a reason for it. And then you just got to buckle down and and uh, get ready for what is going to be a sensational final uh, quarter of the season uh, Jacob thank you so much for joining us uh, I love this is two weeks and uh, two times in a row now we had uh, experts journalists joining us in the storm cellar and you are providing information first of all we had breaking news in the storm cellar that was the first thing that's pretty awesome <laughs> but you're providing perspective that we don't always see or hear and so thank you so much you're making the show that much better yeah you're welcome i'm very happy to come on um i i mean i wish we could have done this two weeks ago but today's been great as well um again i apologize for that but uh yeah, no worries uh, we're, both, yeah. we're both dads we get it we've been there right <laughs> um yeah i'm always happy to come on um feel free to ask whenever and yeah more than happy to round tables in the future with the experts brad i think that's yeah, I, something i think we this need summer we'll definitely try and do our round table idea get that done we won't be recording i think every week because uh you need a little you know right you need a little disconnect and, and whatnot but sure um and then and we still i still have to put together the stadium series audio so i'm gonna carve out time to, to get our stadium series uh discussions out sometime this week um which will be a lot of fun because i haven't heard any of the audio really yet so i'm I've heard a it's going to be it's going to be great. I, I love the chats that we've had, and especially with the uh, uh, the 
the surge cast surge cast thank you surge cast i was it was coming to me it's it's what 9 40 in the morning i'm yeah. sorry guys well, you were you worked like the whole time you were in north carolina i was like, i was working yeah. with my family you know, raising, <laughs> i got this audio from this guy and this this lady and i got you know uh audio from this group and i'm like um i had belly high for lunch and dinner <laughs> yeah you're you're lucky i just i didn't get belly high next time it. i gotta come next down next time yeah, I gotta yeah. come down there again. That's all there come is down to in it. June. We'll go to Bally Stan- High. A Stanley Cup final Bally High pregame meal. That that's what I would enjoy for oh, sure. Uh, it's been it's been a great <laughs> show. And and Brad, we've covered so much. There is something missing, though. Something missing. Something what missing. Is it? What is it? Ah, cocaine's. Cocaine's. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Ray and I greatly appreciate your support in helping us produce an informative and fun podcast. As always, we'd like to say that we believe hockey is for everyone, whether you're a caniac or a bunch of jerks doesn't matter, as we're just a couple of jerks anyway. We would love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions. We will do our best to answer anything hockey-related. You can reach us via email at stormseller97 at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at stormseller97. And on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormseller97.